all's fair in love and war, particularly when it comes to suing your divorce attorney. That's what we are talking about in today's episode of The Emily Show, and it comes to us from the world of Real Housewives of Orange County with Shannon Storms Bador suing her divorce attorney over her separation from her ex, David Bador. We saw this divorce play out in seasons of The Real Housewives of Orange County, and it's very interesting to break down what she is saying her divorce attorney should have done. I also go on to break down the defamation suit that arose from a podcast wherein Tamara Judge and Shannon Bedore were talking with podcast host Heather McDonald of The Juicy Scoop about other members of the cast, including Jim Bellino, who had owned a Sky Park trampoline uh, location in Orange County. All of that is what is ahead. If you want to see the documents I'm talking about, you can catch the episode over on YouTube. And we are going to just jump right into it. Hey there, welcome to The Emily Show. I'm your host, Emily D. Baker, badass lawyer and everyone's favorite legal commentator, breaking down the legal shit in the news and pop culture stories you want to talk about. I've been a licensed attorney for over 15 years, I'm a former prosecutor, and I'm a big fan of the cursey words. So let's break it down. Before we jump all the way into it, The Pride Collection is live on the LawNerdShop.com. So if you want to head over to LawNerdShop.com and check out all of the beautiful rainbow LawNerd Unite apparel, you can. 10% of proceeds are going to the Trevor Project to support LGBTQ youth and their mental well-being. Everyone should be able to live their life. And that's what sales from the Pride Collection will go to support. So go check out the Law Nerd Unite Pride. And yeah, let me know what your favorite design is on social media at the Emily D. Baker. Into the episode we go. I am ready to talk housewives. We'll dive into Shannon Bedore's. And by the way, I'm ready for her to go to Shannon Storms. Like Shannon Storms is the coolest fucking name ever. But I get that her daughter's a Bedore. I completely understand. Anyway, we're getting into Real Housewife of Orange County. Shannon suing her divorce attorney. We watched part of this divorce play out uh, during the seasons of Real Housewives of Orange County. There was also a defamation suit that I hadn't really jumped into but it's not just a defamation suit. It's a defamation suit that like started on a podcast that involves two housewives and the husband of another housewife. And there's an anti-slap litigation and lawyer's fees. Like there's a lot going on. So we're going to do an overview of that too. So those are the two big things that we're covering. You know, I've got my coffee and we just are, we just are going to do the thing today. We're just going to do it. We're just going to do it. We should just get into it. Shannon Bedore, Real Housewife of Orange County, was in the process for a number of seasons of getting divorced from her now ex-husband, David Bedore. Now, on a side note, her maiden name is Storms, and I think Shannon Storms is like some kind of superhero name, and it's amazing, and I love it, but I get that she has kids and that they might not want to have their mom under a different last name. So no shade there, but it, I always have to mention it because she's Shannon Storms Bedore. And I think it's rad. She has been on numerous seasons of Real Housewives of Orange County. We first met her in the first season when she was talking about having crystals in the foundation of her home and built like into the walls of her home. She had one of the most lavish housewives houses um, aside from Heather Dubrow popping her champs um, and was always fun to watch. I actually really enjoy Shannon. There are definitely, there was definitely a season where the drinking was a bit rough um, while the divorce was going on. And we saw the divorce somewhat play out on screen. Her talking about back and forth in court, her going through the pain and the emotion and the stress of going through a high profile, high net worth divorce and all of the lawyer things that went on behind the scenes. Well, news broke um, pretty widely this week, end of last week, that she is now suing 
her divorce attorney. This was filed on October 6, 2020, but is just coming to light now, as sometimes these things do. Then this has happened across other lawsuits I've covered too. It's like, oh, this has been going on, but nobody was checking for it. And so now it has come to light and we see that there is this ongoing lawsuit with her former divorce attorney. So what does that look like? We're going to go through the different causes of action and talk about what she is saying that they have done wrong. This is essentially a legal malpractice lawsuit for monetary damages, asking for money to fix the shit that was done wrong. Now, current status of the case, just so you know what's happening with the case, is that this is going to uh, binding arbitration. In the retainer agreement that she signed with her former attorney, there was an arbitration clause, and this case is now going into arbitration. So out of the trial system into arbitration to be resolved, hopefully with them and a third party. And it's most likely that that's what will happen. Now, this uh, civil complaint looks a little different from a lot of the ones that we go through. This is a very simple, basic form filed complaint. Again, no shade there. It's efficient. It's getting it done. It's like, these are the causes of action. This is what it is. It is a complaint for professional negligence for monetary damages. And you will see if you watch it on YouTube, because this will also be on the podcast, you can see the um, the breakdown of what that looks like with all the little check boxes and then the causes of action. The causes of action are pretty clear. So there are nine things that Shannon is complaining of from her former attorney. In this, the defendant is the former attorney. That's the person that's being sued. The plaintiff is Shannon Bedore, the person who is suing. And so when we go through this talking about defendant and plaintiff, that's the position of the parties. Defendant Phillips and his firm, the LLP defendant, were engaged to represent plaintiff in connection with the dissolution of marriage proceedings. That's the formal legal name for a divorce. A divorce is actually technically called a dissolution of marriage in California. Other states generally also call it the dissolution of marriage. In doing so and throughout the course of the representations, defendants failed to represent plaintiffs properly, causing her damage. Said failures include but are not limited to the following non-exhaustive items, meaning this is the basis of it, but there could be more. So non-exhaustive means there could be other things that aren't being complained of here, and we can prove those things later. Item number one, defendants failed to include the cost of plaintiff's children on children's ongoing education, college, and wrongfully advised plaintiff that the payment obligations regarding the same need not be included in the marital settlement agreement. That is the, the divorce agreement when the court says this is what y'all have to do for you know time going forward. I think that I'm not surprised this is item number one. I think this is a big one. We saw on the show, and of course, TV is not reality, but it is reality TV. So I assume that we're seeing some of what's going on in people's lives. We saw that there was contention there between Shannon and David. We saw that they were having a hard time communicating. We saw how hurt she was by his infidelity and how difficult it was negotiating for this settlement. I am very surprised that the girl's college was not considered in these payments, whether it's part of the child support, whether it's agreed that each parent will uh, support 50% of the ongoing cost of college, whatever it is, I was very surprised to see that that was not included. And I imagine that that is a big item of contention as you have numerous children becoming college age, one who's already in college, that that becomes a substantial expense. And if one parent is left holding that while the other one's not, I can imagine the frustration when this just could have been sorted out in the divorce court. So that's what I'm kind of reading from this because you know that the girls are going to be college age. You probably know that that's a direction they want to go in. So why not just include it in here? And if this is true, because all complaints are allegations. If this is true, 
I don't understand why an attorney would say it just doesn't need to be in there. It's all fine. Um, in a divorce, assume that nothing's all fine and everything needs to be in writing. Not the advice of a divorce attorney, because I'm not a divorce attorney. Just common sense. In a divorce, you need the things to be in writing. Item number two, defendants erroneously include, I love the use of erroneously. Um, we're not going to false, but we are going to false. Defendants erroneously included a USC endowment jointly made by plaintiff and her former spouse as an expense of plaintiff, exposing plaintiff to liability and further caused plaintiff to relinquish control of said endowment fund to her former spouse. So they made some kind of an endowment to USC and the attorneys are arguing that that was miscategorized, which exposed or could have exposed Shannon to liability. And then she relinquished the entire endowment fund to her ex. It sounds like that was a matter of contention. Uh, USC folks are very, very into their donations and endowments to the school. So I imagine that caused um, quite a lot of contention because there is a lot of pride for most Trojans. We won't know. <laughs> We're a UCLA family over here. Um, number three, defendants failed to negotiate and include a filming release from plaintiff's former spouse for plaintiff's children so that her children could continue to appear in their roles on Bravo Television's Real Housewives of Orange County. Said failure resulted in significant damage and expense to plaintiff to enable her children to participate in filming. How I read this is that they had to then negotiate a filming release because we did see her daughters on the last season of Real Housewives of Orange County. So this was filed in um, 2020. So this filming release would have had to be would have had to have been negotiated before they appeared on this just past season of Real Housewives of Orange County that covered the uh, beginning of COVID. So that was covering. March, uh, beginning of March through, through the end of the summer in 2020. So we watched in that season of Real Housewives of Orange County, they started filming pre-COVID, shut down COVID in the middle, and, and all of them dealt with the different fallouts from going into a shutdown, going into distance learning, and dealing with not only having COVID, but the repercussions of COVID. So it's interesting to me that they said substantial or significant uh, damage and expense. I imagine that Shannon had to pay lawyers to go back to the drawing board to negotiate with David to get those filming releases signed for the season that just passed that had been filmed in March um, in March of 2020 because this was filed after. So obviously the damage has been done. The lawyers have been paid, but that's Shannon's income. I don't think that's her sole income, but that's one of her uh, income sources. And we know that not being able to film with your kids can be problematic, especially if you filmed with your kids in the past. So I don't, that would have been something that should have absolutely been negotiated considering what a big role housewives has in Shannon's life, it appears, and in her income. And the fact that her daughters had always been on housewives, there would be a consideration that that should continue. Item number four is defendants retained a second unnecessary forensic accountant just before trial in the matter and without informing plaintiff at any time prior thereto, incurred an approximately $85,000 bill for which recovery is now sought against plaintiff by the forensic firm. So when you hire lawyers, generally you are paying your lawyer either a retainer or a contingency and you are paying for expenses. So you're paying for the experts. You're paying for the, the forensic accountant. You're paying for that to be done. So to hire a second accountant and incur an $85,000 cost, if plaintiff did not agree, I can understand why they're complaining about it. Though, again, if the law firm comes back and is like, no, this is where we emailed you and this is where you agreed, that might be a little harder uh, to fight on. But again, this is the New attorneys looking back at what the other attorneys did going, no, we, what, we, what we're not going to do is hire a second forensic accountant. Item number five, defendants repeatedly but negligently assured plaintiff that she was entitled to a continuation of her lifestyle on conclusion of the 10-year marriage. So 
this, the way this is worded sounds to me like they're saying the lawyers were promising her it's going to be fine. You're not going to have to change your lifestyle. You've been married for 10 years. You're entitled to this, you know, amount. And we did see in the press that Shannon was seeking over $20,000 a month, ended up settling for half of that. So again, money being relative to most of us, we're like, um, okay, cool. But also in a divorce proceeding, it's relative to what you own, what they own, how much your lifestyle was costing and, and making accommodations for that in some kind of a divorce settlement. Even if it seems like a whole lot of money to us, it, it's all relative in divorce proceedings. So again, lawyers can say, this is what we're trying for. This is what we're hoping for. It's really hard to promise someone an outcome particularly in divorce, because you're dealing with often parties that are locked horns and are contentious with one another. Item number six alleges that defendants mishandled the financial analysis of plaintiff's former spouse's business, despite knowing how the business carried forward losses and deferred income, resulting in a lower value assessment of the business's worth. So this, again, it sounds like the business from David was something that was built during marriage, which means that Shannon would have been entitled to half of it. They were married over 10 years. So in California, that can be your kind of your lifetime spousal support. This is an item of community property that Shannon's attorneys are now alleging was misvalued, which resulted in her getting a lesser amount from it or not having that negotiating leverage that she would have otherwise had with regard to David's business. And again, carrying forward losses and deferring income generally has to do with your taxes, but that should be offset when you're looking at the valuation. And that's what they're arguing here. Item number seven, defendants failed to adequately argue and present evidence that plaintiff's income was less than her former spouse's income. <laughs> so they're arguing that they didn't do enough to show that Shannon wasn't balling. Like, hey, no, in the divorce, you needed to show that I'm not making all this money. The thing is, I believe Shannon launched her food line while this was going on, had the income from Real Housewives. So now she has an income too, and that income is going to offset what she's entitled to in spousal support. And it sounds like that maybe her income was showing as more than David's income the thing is, with all of this, when you're looking back, you have to look at what the actual income is versus what they are reporting on taxes and the way they're moving money around to potentially lower tax burden. Again, next level rich people shit. That is something that you strategize in your taxes with a tax professional when you know more money, more problems happens to you because more money, more problems is literally the truth. Biggie said it best and um, and no one believes it. And we see it with influencers all the time. They make more money. They don't change the way that they're dealing with things. And then they end up with, you know, more problems. Item number eight, defendants were uncommunicative with plaintiff throughout the course of the representation and failed to return calls and respond to inquiry by plaintiff. And then they say in paren, at one point, plaintiff was forced to contact defendant Phillips's wife to try to get a response. This is one of those items that is, you know, lawyers have obligations to keep their clients in the loop. Absolutely. But it's also one of the things where there's a lot of room for difference of opinion. What does non-communicative mean? Does it mean he was giving her updates every week or so and that she wanted to be in communication daily, which generally isn't practical? Does it mean that months would go by and she's like, I have no idea what's happening. So that's the, of, of all of the items the uncommunicative goes in to show a bigger picture. We'll see. That's not really the heart of the thing. It goes to show the frustration of the thing. And they're trying to also show that this attorney was not doing their job for Shannon. But sometimes things go months and nothing's happening. So it's like, hey, we'll check back when something happens and then nothing's happened. But they did say not returning calls. And this is a complaint you will see a lot when attorneys get reported to the state bar is the lack of communication. Look, communication's key with anything, with any business, uh, with any relationship. Open communication is the key to most things. It's why we talk about facts, not fuckery. It's why we talk about critical thinking. It's why we talk about being able to communicate even when 
We disagree on how things are, how things should be, what we'd like to see. It's why we run Court of Public Opinion on Fridays so we can have conversations about things where we don't all see eye to eye and communicate effectively because it is one of the biggest issues. Breakdown of communication leads to a whole lot of problems. Item number nine. In the 11th hour, defendants convinced plaintiffs to take a lower dollar divorce settlement right before trial as defendants were not prepared to litigate the matter. So they're alleging essentially that Shannon felt um, pushed into a lower dollar settlement. And I read this hearing Shannon believing that they were like, we should just settle. We should just settle. Take this. If you go to trial, it's going to be this. You should settle. You should settle. And now they believe that that was because the attorneys were not prepared. So they were forcing her to settle when maybe it wasn't in her best interest. That's how this reads. It'll be interesting to see um, how the lawyers break that down. But again, this is going to go into binding arbitration and the arbiter is going to be able to go back and forth between the parties and say, well, they're saying this and you're saying this and try to resolve some of these issues. Things like this $85,000 bill, things like the amount of time and money she spent to get that filming release, dealing with or going back to deal with the college um, or at least pay for attorneys to go back and deal with the uh, ongoing college expenses to deal with the loss of the endowment and things like that. So when it comes to this cause of action and the divorce proceeding itself, I don't know if we'll see a resolution because it's going to go into arbitration. So I am going to keep tracking it. But what I expect will happen is at some point there will be a notice into the court saying that the matter has resolved and that it's being dismissed with prejudice. I don't know if we'll ever find out the nuts and bolts of how it dissolved or how it resolved. And I'm interested. Maybe it'll be talked about in the press. Maybe she'll share that. Maybe that will play out a little bit if she's going to arbitration over this while they're filming. I guess we'll see. But there are some basic things here that I can understand the frustration. I don't think this is um, just Shannon trying to go back and get more money or go back and get a second bite at the apple with her divorce. And I say that because the college expenses are a big thing to me. And the filming release is a big thing to me. And then an expert that she didn't approve. Like those are the three things to me that stand out with like these things should have been taken care of. And again, this could be perception. Shannon could have been told, hey, we're doing this. We're hiring this forensic accountant. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And didn't actually process the information. So we'll see. The attorneys, I'm sure, will bring all of their emails, all of their case notes that they have. Shannon will bring all that she has. And it's interesting to me that the attorney that she is dealing with in this matter is the same attorney that she dealt with on the Jim Bellino defamation lawsuit. Are you ready to get into some defamation? Are you ready for some defamation? I'm going to go through the complaint first, and then I'm going to kind of summarize how we got to here. I'm not getting into Tamara's side of this suit. We're just talking about Shannon today. If you are interested in Tamara Judge's side of this uh, defamation suit, go ahead and put it in the comments below or in the chat, and I will cover that on another day. Because with regard to Tamara Judd, Judge, Judge, the trial is set for November 8th, 2021. So she is at this point going to trial against Jim Bellino. So let the reason I wanted to cover this suit is because it involves, not only because it involves defamation, and, and Lord knows we've talked a lot about defamation on this channel, but it also involves uh, a successful anti-slap motion. And that is how Shannon ultimately ended up not being in this case. She was dismissed from this case because of the her successful anti-slap motion, and she won attorney's fees on it. So it's a, it's housewives tea, but B, it does talk about this, um, this repercussion in a lot of states, not all states, but a lot of states. If you just want to go ahead and sue somebody over stuff that you can't prove, they can win it on a, um, on an anti-slap motion. So I'm going to do the background. I'm going to talk about slap suits a little bit, and then we'll go from there. All right, let's jump into the second part of what's going on with Shannon Bedore. Now, back in 2018, Shannon Bedore, Tamara Judge, 
were both sued by Jim Bellino and Jump Management Company. Now, you might recall that Jim Bellino was a housewife's husband. Uh, his wife, why am I blanking on her name right now? Because I can only think of Jesus Jugs when I think of his wife. I think it was Tamara that called her Jesus Jugs. Alexis, it was Alexis um, Bellino. They owned like a trampoline park together. He was not a favorite of mine on the show by any means. But Tamara and Shannon are alleged to have defamed him in a podcast interview with Heather McDonald of The Juicy Scoop. What I didn't realize until digging into this today is that she was sued in a separate defamation lawsuit about this. So if we need to get into that one too, let me know. There are the, like, you get a defamation lawsuit, you get a defamation lawsuit, defamation lawsuits for everybody. We're going to get into what the allegations are in this suit with regard to Shannon Bedore and then into why she is no longer in this lawsuit because she won her slap, well, anti-slap motion. And we'll talk about what that means after we talk about the tea that's in this complaint. James Bellino and his company sued for defamation per se, defamation, trade libel, false light, intentional interference with prospective economic advantage, and negligent interference with prospective economic advantage. These are things that we've talked about a lot. They are things that came up in the Tati Westbrook uh, lawsuit as well. And we're going to jump right into it. Y'all know what defamation per se is, but the best part is going to be the introduction and the facts. Let's see. This first line isn't coming out um, nearly as hot as some of the lawsuits we've covered lately, but we'll get into it anyway. Introduction. This case arises out of defamatory, highly intrusive, and harmful statements made about the plaintiffs by defendants Judge and Bedour in the course of media interviews. Those interviews given by Miss Judge and Miss Bedour as part of a desperate campaign to extend their 15 minutes of fame were replete with malicious lies and outrageous and highly offensive comments about the strictly personal affairs of plaintiff's James, plaintiff James Bellino, his family, and business. Now, it gets saucier going into the middle part of that sentence, for sure. Um, there's definitely, these are complaints. They're written from the perspective of the person suing. And the person suing is going to say in their complaint, you suck the most, and here's why you suck the most and you are the worst, and essentially we hate you. Like, that's how complaints are written, to be very one-sided. They are written to advocate for the side that's suing. Uh, we just love getting all of the facts and and kind of the tea that's put into these complaints because complaints are covered by litigation privilege, and you can say shit in them. Yes, you should have to back them up. Yes, you should have to prove them in court. However, anyone can sue anyone for anything. We're seeing that in the Triller lawsuit. Paragraph two, in June of 2018, a wide audience was gathered to watch Judge and Bedore swill champagne, <laughs> swilling champagne and, quote, dish. <laughs> it then says, i.e., ostensibly gossip about participants in the reality television show Real Housewives of Orange County. What ensued, however, was not mere gossip, but a vicious and unprovoked attack on the reputation and privacy of Mr. Bellino, who again appeared on the show quite substantially. He is, in my mind, a public figure. It goes on to say, among other demonstrable lies, Ms. Judge and Ms. Bedore stated that Bellino, quote, is going to jail end quote, that his divorce was, quote, fake, and that his trampoline trampoline business is now closed because, quote, people get paralyzed there. Oof. So when you're talking about a business, when you're talking about a business, Let's keep going. Shortly after they were warned to cease and desist from making further such statements, Judge and Bedore began, quote, spinning a defense to the media, alleging that they were merely repeating rumors, paren, which is untrue and no defense in any event, and that they were merely poking fun at certain individuals during their interviews. <laughs> Paragraph four, plaintiffs are not amused. 
Clearly, clearly not. But also, you can't say that people are getting paralyzed at somebody's trampoline park unless that's true. Like that, that would be the context is going to be key on these statements. And it sounds like this is all recorded. So you should be able to watch these statements and gather the context. Paragraph four, plaintiffs are not amused. By and through this action, they seek compensation for the existing and continuing damages resulting from defendants' defamatory and outrageous statements in an amount to be proven at trial, but believed to be well in excess of $1 million. Plaintiffs will seek an award of substantial punitive damages to make an example out of Judge and Bedore and to deter them from similarly offensive, fraudulent, and malicious conduct in the future. At least they're honest AF with it. Like, we want punitive damages. Remember, punitive damages are the punishment ones. Like, you suck, and so we're going to we're going to punish you monetarily in an amount that is going to make you quake so that you will think twice about how much it's going to hurt to do this again. We are going to punish you by taking your money. That is essentially the purpose of punitive damages. I like that they just put out there, we're going to make an example out of you. We're going to make, though the, uh, the song from Mulan Uh, We're going to make a man out of you is now running through my head and I'm trying not to burst into song because the, you know, anyway, you're with me if you've seen Mulan nearly as much as I have with, you know what I'm talking about. So I'm very interested to see how they break down who said what, because remember, Tamara is still in this suit. Shannon is not. Parties. James Bellino is an individual who at relevant times resided in Orange County. Yeah, we believe everyone's in Orange County. Tamara Judge resides in Orange County. Shannon Bedore resides in Orange County. Look, jurisdiction's really easy on this one. It's filed in court in Orange County. They live in Orange County. They're on Real Housewives of Orange County. Jurisdiction is not a thing. Everyone's in the same place. We're not even going to discuss her jurisdiction. We don't know her. Everyone lives in the same place. Factual allegation. Hey, Triller, (laughs) this part of the lawsuit is really helpful, buddy. This part, the factual allegations part, there's like dates and who said what and where they were when they said it. This part makes everything make more sense. Otherwise, it's very confusing. Factual allegations, paragraph 12, defendant, judge, and door are participants in the American uh, in an American reality television series called The Real Housewives of Orange County, um, which from now on is going to be called OC. Actually, you should look, lawyers, it's R-H-O-C. Like, just abbreviate the show the way that the fans abbreviate it and just, just keep it clean. Just R-H-O-C. You don't, he, you don't have to abbreviate just Orange County. Just abbreviate the whole thing. R-H-O-C. We all know what you're talking about. We all watch the show. Let's not pretend we don't. Judge has been a cast member on the show since the third season, which premiered in 2007. Bedore has been a cast member on the show since its ninth season in 2014. Alexis Bellino was a cast member of RHOC from its fourth season through its eighth season, which ran from 2008 to 2013. I forgot that um, Bellino and and um, Bedore did not overlap in their time. Alexis was the wife of plaintiff James Bellino throughout the time she was a cast member on RHOC, but Bellino was never a cast member for obvious reasons. The cast members were all, quote, housewives. Look, man, he was a he was on the show. He was filmed quite substantially on the show. No, he's not holding a holding an orange. No, he is not a a quote cast member, but he is part of filming for sure. But I digress. Paragraph 14: Alexis and Bellino have been divorced and achieved an amicable resolution of their divorce proceedings for the benefit of themselves and their three minor children. Unfortunately, in the course of those proceedings, Judge and Bedore took to the stage in a live setting to shamelessly quote dish and peddle what they claimed to be gossip and rumors, but were in fact lies. Well, if they didn't state it as fact. It might not be true, but if it's not stated as fact, it might also not be defamatory, but we're going to continue. 15, on or about June 26, 2018, Judge Amador sat down for a live interview with a woman named Heather McDonald, who is the host of a podcast called The, quote, Juicy Scoop with Heather McDonald. The interview was held at the Irvine Improv Comedy Club in Irvine, California, and plaintiffs are informed and believe that as many as 100 people were gathered to listen to the interview. 
Well, I imagine it was also recorded and then and then released as an actual podcast. Oh, do you think it's still up? That would be fascinating. <laughs> I imagine it's been taken down during the course of this litigation. Judge Amador sat on stage with a magnum of champagne. <laughs> Set in front of them for the duration of the interview. Look, what happens on Housewives that does not involve a just a fuck ton of alcohol? Like most of the things that happen on Housewives involves quite a substantial amount of how of alcohol. As they swilled champagne, I love that they use the word swilled instead of sip. Like sipping champagne sings dignified, right? Sipping champagne and chatting with the ladies is like, ooh, we're ladies and lunch. But like swilling champagne and spreading malicious gossip paints an entirely different picture of the thing, doesn't it? They're definitely coming in with the uh, with the language in this lawsuit. And I, I, for one, appreciate a sassy lawsuit, you know? Don't we all? As they swilled champagne, Judge and Bedore discussed and took questions from Miss McDonald and the audience about former and current participants of Real Housewives of OC. When the subject turned to Bolino and Alexis, the interview took a vicious turn. Look, nothing is more vicious than like Slade Smiley pretending to do stand-up and just ripping on Vicky's looks in a shameless way, comparing her to Miss Piggy. Like nothing, I think, can be more vicious than that. It was appalling to watch. But anyway, I digress. Paragraph 17, in a cr- in crude and unseemly fashion, judge who is a mother. <laughs> Why? 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 <laughs> Why? So because she's a mother, she can't say shady shit? Like, seriously? <laughs> because, because she's a mom. She's never going to say, have they not watched the show? (laughs) She's a mother. She's a mother. Yeah. Guess what? Mothers sometimes drink champagne and say shady shit. It happens. It happens. They are doing, look, they in this lawsuit are doing a, a fantastic job of trying to paint a picture of who these defendants are. I think it's hilarious, but it is what it is in a lawsuit. This is what you expect from a complaint is to paint a picture of the other side. The other side sucks the most. They're terrible. We hate them. Your honor, we hate them. See? Um, And they're taking every opportunity to do it. It's funny. All right, back to paragraph 17. In crude and unseemly fashion, judge who is a mother, stated that Bellino is a, quote, shady motherfucker. That sounds like something Tamara would say. She went on to question, quote, why is he wanting spousal support? Oh. See, this is the problem. The housewives know all the tea on the other housewives that's going on in season, off season, behind the scenes. I imagine that when you're on one of these shows, this is Emily's speculation, that people are coming out of the woodworks into your DMs being like, did you hear this? Did you know this? And want to spill the tea on other people uh, to the nth degree. It's like, let me tell you about what they're doing. Let me tell you about what they're doing. People love to be in on the cheese map. People love it. People love the gossip. People love to be in on the gossip. And I'm sure that people are telling all of the cast members, all of the secrets about everybody else. Like they're just getting told on all the time, whether it's true or not true is, uh, is something you need to be careful of if you're the one speaking. So she went on to question quote, why he is he wanting spousal support end quote and stated quote, I have a theory. Everything's in her name quote judge falsely stated that the Bellino's marriage was quote fake or a sham. And with respect to Bellino falsely stated he's going to jail end quote. Uh, okay, let's continue. Bedore heaped insult onto the injury caused by judge, further stating, I heard they don't, um, and then in paren, have the trampoline business anymore, end quote, because they were sued. She continued, I won't let my kids go because people get paralyzed. Apparently that happened. Bedore was referring to a trampoline park in Orange County known as Sky Zone, owned by J.M. Co. Now, Sky Zone is a franchise business. Um, 
I don't know if she's talking about his business or if she's talking about trampoline, trampoline parks in general or Shannon's general fear that like bad shit's going to happen all the time. But I heard they don't have the business anymore because they were sued. I mean, if they don't have the business anymore and if they were sued, I don't know how that's defamatory, but that's probably why her slap motion was granted. So anyway, we're going to continue. Paragraph 19, Bellino discovered the interview after the fact and attempted to mitigate the damage done. We talked about this, right? We talked about mitigation of damages in the Triller suit. Mitigate the damages. Go ahead and issue the copyright strikes on the channels that still have the fight up. It, they're spelling out here, look, we've tried. We didn't want to have to sue you. We've tried to fix it ourselves and we can't because these women are, are just unre unreasonable and they're not doing anything with me. They won't work with me. That's where this is going, I suspect. So, Belina, it, continuing on in chapter 19, there was an attempt to mitigate the damage done and damage to be done by the foregoing malicious, defamatory, and highly intrusive statements. Through his attorney, Bellino sent a cease and desist letter demanding Judge and Bedore stop lying, publish full retractions of their false statements, and issue a public apology. Rather than retract and apologize for their lies, however, Judge and Bedore doubled down on them. They brazenly stated to the media that they were definitely not going to apologize and claimed, apparently coached by attorneys, that they were repeating. I don't know where this apparently coached by attorneys is coming in, um, which is fascinating, but they claimed, apparently coached by attorneys, that they were repeating public allegations, which is false. Um, and not a defense in any event. That is an awkward sentence. But I think what they're trying to say is that they went public and were saying, hey, we're just saying what we heard. Like, I'm just saying what I heard. Very, uh, <laughs> very Teresa Judice. That's just what I heard. I just heard your husband was stepping out at the gym. That's just, it's just, it's just what we heard. It's just what we heard. Thus, Judd and Bedore were given the opportunity to resolve the dispute in a reasonable fashion, but ostensibly, and to their own detriment, refused to do so. On or about July 16, 2018, season 13 of RHOC premiered on Bravo with Judge and Bedore returning as participants after the show aired and after show. Thank you for describing Watch What Happens Live to us. Called, no, for the court, assuming that the court doesn't watch Watch What Happens Live. It's fair. An after show called Watch What Happened Live with Andy Cohen aired on the same network. When the topic of the Bellino's divorce and Judge and Bedore's appearances on the Juicy Scoop with Heather McDonald arose, Judge and Bedore appeared visibly nervous and defensive. They claimed to be just poking fun at their, tar at their target individuals during the interview. In any event, plaintiffs are not amused. Twice. Twice. They've said not amused. Plaintiffs are not amused by judges and Bedore's malicious and outrageous lies and have taken this action to rehabilitate their image, reclaim privacy, and recover compensation for the substantial harm and damage inflicted on, on Bellino and his family and his company, JMCO. So defamation per se, they're incorporating everything above. They're saying that the defamation per se here is he is going to jail. They are likening this to... Um, accusing someone of being a criminal, which is generally the type of things that are so damaging to a reputation, they fall under defamation per se. Defamation per se is a separate part of defamation where you don't have to prove um, certain aspects of the defamation. You don't have to prove all of the, the parts that can make defamation difficult to prove, including um, actual damage. And so without having to prove actual damage, it's assumed that the thing said, saying someone's a criminal or a career criminal, um, accusing someone of, I don't know, being a predator and things like that would fall under this defamation per se. The words alone are assumed to be so harmful, you don't have to prove separate damage to it. Because again, defamation at its core is about reputation. Um, bad reputation bad reputation. Okay. That's going to happen every time we say reputation now. So they're arguing that this, he is going to jail is, is in that same realm of essentially accusing someone of being a criminal. Cause why else would somebody be going to jail if not for criminal conduct? Now the context of the interview is going to be very much important here because Again, defamation bumps up against First Amendment speech, and, and there is this push-pull balance of what is 
speech and expression and what is actually damaging speech and what can be um, a harmful and actionable speech. And in the context of comedy, those lines absolutely get blurred. So is it going to be part of their defense that, look, we were at the improv, we were just making jokes. Clearly, what we were saying was not meant to be taken seriously. Clearly, we were not to be believed that these were facts. We were drinking and gossiping and saying things that we thought were funny. And this is how you know it's funny, based on the context of being at the comedy club, based on the way that the things were set up, you know, how did this play? And so the context of this will be very important. The statement itself, he is going to jail is not quite, he's a criminal, but it implies it. So that's going to be very interesting to see. Second cause of action, defamation against both. Again, it's, uh, the first cause of action is just against Tamara. It's not against Tamara and Shannon. The second cause of action is against both. Um, Judge Ambador. It realleges what's above, and then it goes on to talk about judges' statements that the divorce was fake, that everything was in the wife's name. The, um, uh, I don't know how I feel about the divorce is fake and everything's in his wife's name. I don't. It. I don't know how you prove damages on that. Um, I just don't. So that for me, I'm not sure how we prove damages on that. On June 26, 2018, Bedore made um, numerous state statements to numerous persons that uh, Bellino didn't have the trampoline business anymore because, quote, people get paralyzed at that business. Now, it seems that that's not what she said. <laughs> Based on this own declaration. So you can see how the legal writing kind of shifts it where they've now connected these two thoughts. But when they talk about what she said up above, they said, I heard they don't have the trampoline business anymore because they were sued. Now, she then said, I won't let my kids go because people get paralyzed. Apparently that happened. They're connecting those two statements, but out of context, we don't know if those two statements are connected or if it's Shannon being like, I don't let my kids trampoline ever. I mean, people get paralyzed on trampolines. We're never doing that. Like trampolines are horrible. So they've connected it to say she's saying they don't have the trampoline park because they got sued and they got sued because somebody got paralyzed. Judge made the foregoing statements knowing they were false with reckless disregard. Door made them knowing they were false with reckless disregard. The damage is believed to be in excess of a million. The conduct is despicable on and on. Trade libel. This is against Bedore saying that um, she heard they didn't have the business anymore because they were sued. I won't let my kids go because people get paralyzed. Apparently that happened. Trade libel is defamation against a business. So this is the plaintiff, the business against defendant Bedore, same uh, allegations. False light is against both defendants by both plaintiffs saying that they are um, publicizing information that is private and it's it's publicizing information to cast you in literally a like false light or a bad light to make it seem that you're something that you're not to uh, besmirch your character essentially. And I mean, that's basically Twitter <laughs> false light, false light lawsuits, um, could false light lawsuits like, and Twitter, we could just pull up examples of false light lawsuits on Twitter. This is, um, slightly different take on defamation, but it still goes to trying to cast you in a bad light and trying to really besmirch your characters. The basis here, fifth cause of action, intentional in interference with prospective economic advantage in different States. This has caused different things. Um, some States have like a tortious interference with, uh, business relationships. This is similar to that in that it's interfering with future business. So saying you making these statements about me and about my trampoline park means people aren't going to want to come. So you are inserting yourself in a business relationship. Um, we see this play out sometimes on YouTube too, where people are like, oh, you shouldn't be watching this creator. Oh, this person's, you know, lists off names and allegations. This can become intentional interference with prospective economic advantage uh, in that context as well. So they're saying that this is against defendant Bedore because she was talking about the trampoline park being sued. This is plaintiff, the trampoline park, and that she made those statements about they don't have the park anymore because they got sued. However, 
if they didn't have the trampoline park anymore at the time that those statements were made, I don't know how there can be any damage to prospective economic advantage if the trampoline park was already closed, which is unclear at this point, but we're going to get into it a little bit more. Sixth cause of action is negligent interference with prospective economic advantage, meaning, again, it's not intentional, but it's negligent, like you should have known better. This We see this a lot with like intentional infliction of emotional distress, negligent infliction with the emotional distress. Um, they just are different standards showing that you didn't act in the negligent category with reasonable, necessary care. Prayer for relief. Uh, damages to be proven at trial. Punitive damages. Remember to punish. Injunctive and equitable relief. Stop right there from doing the shit. And for any other thing that the court deems just. That is the complaint. I'm going to pull up real quick what the um, what the court said in the slap slap dismissal, and then I can pull up the slap suit real quick um, so that you guys can see that, and then we will move on to questions. So January 8, 2019. Oh, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to talk about what a slap suit is and what an anti-slap is. Order granting defendant Shannon Bedore's notice of motion and special motion to strike plaintiff's complaint pursuant to the California anti-slap statute, Code of Civil Procedure, 425-16. Order the court heard argument on defendant Shannon Bedore's special motion to strike plaintiff Jim's, James Bellino and Jump Management Company's complaint pursuant to the anti-slap statute. After considering all papers and evidence filed in support of and in opposition to Bedore's motion and all papers and records on file in this action, and after hearing arguments of counsel, so the court's letting you know all of the work that went into this, the court finds that the anti-slap statute applies to Ms. Bedore's statements and that they are subject, um, and that they, that the anti-slap statute applies to Ms. Bedore's statements that are the subject matter of this litigation and the court further finds that plaintiffs have not established a probability of prevailing against Ms. Bedore on their second cause of action for defamation, third cause of action for trade libel, fourth cause of action for false light, fifth cause of action for intentional interference with prospective economic advantage, and sixth cause of action, negligent interference with prospective economic advantage. It is so ordered, therefore, that Ms. Bedore's special motion to strike is granted place of Plaintiff's complaint is stricken in its entirety against Bedore. The clerk shall enter judgment for Bedore. And then she was also awarded over $100,000 in her legal fees. So while this is a win for her, this was still a costly and year-long legal battle that she had to deal with to get to the point where it was dismissed. A slap lawsuit or a lawsuit that's called a slap lawsuit, I should just, we're going to talk about slap lawsuits real quick. A SLAP lawsuit, SLAP stands for Strategic Litigation Against Public Participation. This is generally considered to be a lawsuit that is filed for the purposes of shutting someone up. It is not filed for the purpose of recovering damage. It's filed where, you know, you're not going to win on this suit for whatever reason. You can't win on these actions, but you're doing it to to abuse the process of litigation to strike out against me. So the slap suit is what's filed. It's then brought by the defendant who's being sued, the anti-slap statute, the anti-slap motion saying, no, this is a strategic litigation. What we're not going to do is go forward with this. And then not all states have anti-slap laws, but the states that do have anti-slap laws, you bring an anti-slap motion and it fast forwards litigation to the plaintiff then having to prove that there is a reasonable likelihood that they're going to prevail on the merits, showing that they can win on this case if it were to go forward. So if you bring an anti-slap motion and lose, it puts you in a very bad position because you now have been told by the court, eh, you're likely going to lose. And it makes it harder to then settle the case because the other side is now walking away with a pretty big win. But if you win your anti-slap motion, the case is dismissed with prejudice. It's over and done before you go through protracted litigation, before you go through protracted discovery, before anything else. 
when the anti-slap motion is filed, the case stops right there, and then they go through the slap procedure and the anti with the anti-slap motion and determine whether the case can move forward. And in most states, if you win your anti-slap suit, you get attorney's fees. We talked about this with the Keemstar Daniel Lacoste lawsuit. There were jurisdiction issues there on that lawsuit, and when we broke down that suit, Daniel Lacoste filed a defamation suit against a YouTuber. Uh, Keemstar, who runs the Drama Alert channel, then instead of fighting and pissing around with the jurisdiction stuff, his attorneys filed an anti-slap motion and won the case and got legal fees. And that was done and dusted pretty quickly because the purpose of the anti-slap litigation is to not drain a defendant of resources while they are years in litigation trying to fight through the court process to prove that this lawsuit was bullshit. It allows them a fast track to proving that a lawsuit was bullshit, saying, hey, um, they have to show that they're going to prevail, and I don't think that they can prevail on the merits. And then you go through the litigation of the slap suit first, and it gets dismissed without prejudice. So that is a quick take on what a slap suit is and how it works with an anti-slap lawsuit or an anti-slap motion. Shannon Bedore, in this case, through her counsel, filed a very extensive anti-slap motion. Also, um, in that anti-slap motion, they, um, they went through hearings and it sounds like oral argument to the court. So the attorneys showed up in court and argued. I'm going to share with you Shannon's, um, declaration in this suit to see what she had to say about it. This is her declaration in support of the anti-slap motion. Um, I joined the cast of the American TV show Real Housewives of Orange County in 2014 before the show's ninth season. I've been on the show for five seasons. My character... I love that she talks about herself as a character on the show because we really do right narrow down um, the housewives into the little box that they fit in, right? I want to hear all of them talk about their characters. Like, Sonia Morgan, what's your character? <laughs> Tell me how you see yourself. My character is known to be honest and someone who freely speaks her mind. While I speak my mind, I am also known to be one of the most respectful housewives. I think most would agree that I'm well-liked among our fans. Most would agree that I have a good reputation. Alexis and Jim Bellino were on Real Housewives of Orange County, um, before I joined in 2014, I believe Alexis and Jim were on the show from 2009 to 2013. I was not um, a housewife cast member during the time the Bellinos were on the show. I watched the show during that period. Alexis and Jim were married the entire time that Alexis was a housewife. Jim frequently appeared on the show and was an important part of her storyline. I concur. I agree with that. On June 26, 2018, I appeared on Heather McDonald's podcast, Juicy Scoop with Heather McDonald, along with Tamara Judge, another housewife on the show. The podcast taped in front of a live audience of more than 100 people. Heather McDonald is a well-known comedian who appeared on Showtime specials with the Chelsea Lately show. Her show is notoriously funny and at times a bit racy. However, fans love it and laugh hysterically at her funny and outrageous content, which was no different for this particular podcast. This is... Um, painting the scene that this is comedy, that she is a comedian, she has had comedy appearances, that it's supposed to be outrageous, it's supposed to be funny, but it's not supposed to be like, oh, take everything away as the, you know, hand to Bible truth. This is actually a comedy routine. And the fact that it was at the improv, I think will help them take that tack with it. The audience came to hear Judge and me talk about our lives the Real Housewives, and our opinions about other housewives, including those we have met from other shows. During the show, McDonald asked me personal questions about dating, my sex life after my past marriage, which made me uncomfortable, but I played along. Okay, I, now I really want to hear this podcast. She asked me if men sent me nude photos of themselves, and the audience roared with laughter. <laughs> I just want to, I need to find this interview if it still exists. I'm sure it's down at this point, but it, Heather, I can just imagine this going down with like, so Shannon, are you getting dick pics? Like, are people sliding that eggplant into the DMs? Is that like, is that what's happening? Uh, side note, nobody wants a dick pic. If they want one, they'll ask you for one, but just don't, don't slide into people's DMs with that. We don't want them. Um, but I love, I, I have questions about that too. Now I want to know the answer. 
The conversation also touched on Alexis and Bellino, who had been making headlines with their recent divorce. McDonald asked whether the Bellinos still own trampoline parks. Someone had recently told me that the Bellinos did not have their trampoline parks anymore, and the reason may have been a lawsuit filed by someone who was injured at the park. I believe I said something like, I heard they do not have them anymore because they were sued. I made that statement based on what I heard and believed about the situation at the time. To this day, I have no reason to believe it's not true. So she's going with truth. At some point after that, as discussion of trampoline parks continued, I said something like, I won't let my kids go because people get paralyzed. Apparently that happens. My intent in making that statement was refer to trampoline parks generally. And that's what I was wondering when we read the complaint. Were they taking two separate parts of the conversation and conflating them to make it seem as if the two were related? Or is this Shannon being Shannon going, "Mm -mm, I don't like it. Like, I don't like it. I can't clean it. I can't sanitize it. I don't want my kids on trampolines. Um, Which is not an unusual feeling. There are lots of parents who do not want their children near trampolines. I, like many others, think that trampoline parks are dangerous, and I am aware of news reports of people breaking their necks and becoming paralyzed at trampoline parks. I've never allowed my children to go to trampoline parks because I know of local children in my community that have sustained severe head trauma or broken necks after visiting them. I mean, it sounds like Orange County is not doing well with trampolines. At this point, my children know not to even ask me to go to one. That's the most Shannon-sounding Shannon statement ever. The complaint alleges that after I said I won't let my kids go because people get paralyzed, I said apparently that happened, allegedly referring to the Bellinos trampoline park. This is not true. What I actually said was apparently that happens, which again, apparently that happened and apparently that happens. It's literally the difference of a letter, happened versus happens, and that can change this lawsuit. The difference of apparently that happened saying he was sued because somebody was injured, or apparently that happens talking about trampoline parks in general. I've heard stories, I don't let my kids go. It is a one letter, very big distinction in what is or was a million dollar lawsuit, which is why words matter. So. As we get into the fact that a letter can make a difference in a lawsuit, um, she was saying, meaning apparently people get seriously injured, including paralyzed at trampoline parks. I was not referring to the Bellinos, but the occurrence of serious injuries, including broken necks and paralysis at trampoline parks generally, which I have read about. I was speaking my own truthful view about the danger of trampoline parks generally and my personal rules for my children. After the podcast, I was surprised that Bellino sent me a cease and desist letter <laughs> demanding I retract statements I made and publicly apologize. I declined to do so because I did not perceive that I did anything wrong. I later learned that the internet tabloid TMZ reported on the cease and desist letter before I even received it. Right, because TMZ gets the T because lawyers send it to them. Because why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? The statement I made The statements I made were truthful, and I did not and never would make a false statement about Jim Bellino. Plaintiff's allegations in the complaint that I spoke about the Bellinos or the conversation with Heather McDonald on any talk show after that is nonsense. The only press I've done since the McDonald podcast on July 12th and July 16th for the premiere of the new season. All of my press interviews are carefully monitored by the PR department for Bravo. We know it's the network for the housewives. After I refused to publicly retract the statements and apologize to Bellino, I was served with the complaint. So that was her statement about the defamation lawsuit. And we know that the court took their their anti-slap motion and said, yeah, the plaintiffs have not proved that they can actually survive this case. Now, Tamara Judge also filed an anti-slap motion and her case was not dismissed. So if we need to jump into that on a separate episode, a separate day, let me know. And we'll jump into this defamation lawsuit more as it applies to the statements made by Tamara judge. But since the stuff against, um, since the stuff against Shannon Dore is dismissed, let's talk about what remains as to Tamara judge as to Tamara. There is the, uh, defamation per se with regard to the, he's going to jail comment. And then there is the defamation with regard to their divorce being fake, unless that was thrown out because a judge can say this this count stays and this count goes. And then that was the only stuff. Those two causes of action were the only two as to Tamara Judge. The rest were with regard to Shannon Bedore. So let me know if we want a deep dive on Tamara Judge. And it is time 
to get into questions. Lots of questions. I'm sure you have questions. Look, thoughts at the end of the day while questions are coming in. Lawsuits are expensive. And she was awarded over $100,000 in attorney's fees, but would have been paying that attorney for the year until that ruling. And then not only do you pay, then you have to track down your your winnings. We saw it with Keemstar. And I know, look, this is not co-signing the things Keem does or says. This is talking about his lawsuit. With regard to his lawsuit, he took less in attorney fees and took Romeo Lacoste's play button because he's petty like that. Now, tracking down attorney's fees can be a whole separate thing that you now have to pay your lawyer to go track down attorney's fees to claw back what you've already spent. This is not a easy thing to do. This is time consuming. This is stressful. This is a whole lot. So I don't suggest getting into a defamation lawsuit. Um, But what we're seeing here is that even action after the cease and desist was served came up in this, right? After the cease and desist was served, we still see, oh, well, they went on this show and they went on this show. Again, this is what it is um, when you talk about lawsuits afterwards. What you say is going to come up, is going to come up. Oof, 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 oof. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you for always being with me. I can't wait to hear what you thought of this breakdown and these two really interesting cases. Be sure to let me know on social at the Emily D Baker, and you can hashtag at the Emily show when you share your thoughts or where you're watching the podcast while watching, listening to the podcast from. And because we are still in a pandemic, raise a glass and say it with me. May your Wi-Fi be strong. May your toilet paper be plentiful. May your family be well, and may the odds be ever in your favor. Thank you for being a Law Nerd, and I will see you next week. Hey there, Law Nerd. Thanks for hanging with me for another episode. If you are looking for a way to show your Law Nerd pride, head on over to lawnerdshop.com for all of your amazing Law Nerd needs. That's where you're going to find your We Ride at Dawn merch, your Law Nerd Love merch, and even the very popular Control F Yourself merch. (laughs) It's all there for you at lawnerdshop.com. You see me wearing it on social. It's exactly the same stuff you get. My favorite right now is the all black facts hat. And we have new merch coming every month on the 15th. So be sure to keep an eye out on social media for the latest and greatest. See you at lawnerdshop.com. And don't forget to tag me in what you're wearing.